Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, but more importantly, we're really good friends. Isn't that right, Ben? It is accurate at this moment. You know what else is accurate at this moment? You can find Ben's work all over the internet. So far, it hasn't been scrubbed. Ben, tell them where they can find your work. My goodness, that is, uh, I don't know how I feel about that intro. Um, <laughs> you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Inside Hook, and at Haggerty. And you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and Car and Driver. Ben, we've got some uh, we've got some pretty big things to talk about this week, don't you? Don't you think? Big things, but littler things than what are normally big things. I think. Sure, maybe we might have to re- we might have to articulate that better. But um, what have you been doing? What have you been driving? I've been driving a brand new vehicle, and it's brand new in more ways than one. So it's the 2023 GMC Canyon, which was redesigned for this model year. But not only was it redesigned, it gained a new trim level, and that is Denali. Uh, and anyone out there who's familiar with GMC trucks knows all about Denali. It's it's their luxury trim level. I, I remember the first time I went to a Denali brand presentation. I don't remember when they mentioned that if Denali was a standalone brand, it would outsell like Porsche, Audi, Land Rover, um, and like three other luxury brands combined. Okay, you know because they were saying basically they sell a lot of trucks. And, and everyone knows luxury is a volume game, right? Yeah, it's completely, completely the way to win is with a fire <laughs> hose. Uh, but to, to be fair, when the Denali's been around a long time, late 90s, they originally had this truck called the C3. It was the Sierra C3. And it was the first real luxury pickup truck. And they renamed it like the next year or two years later, the Denali. And that's where the brand started and just kept expanding from there. And if you look at the GMC lineup right now, you can buy Denali versions of almost everything they make. It's usually the larger stuff like Mm -hmm. the Sierra, the Yukon, the uh, I think you can get an Acadia Denali. Um, I'm not sure if any of the smaller subcompactor or midsize SUVs have Denali trims, but it's been really successful for GMC. And there have been some missteps, like the previous generation Sierra, it wasn't as nice as the other luxurious trucks that are out there now. Because everyone this has a luxury recent, model, right? This has been my recent take on uh, Denali was that maybe it's a GM thing, but like their luxury... What they call luxury, I'm not sure, really translated to the rest of the industry. Uh, the rest of the industry in the, in the latest generation. I think it's model. So, I think it's model specific because, like, the Yukon Denali is pretty great. It's pretty great. Like, if okay. you compare it to an Escalade, yeah, you're very close. You're very close. But the pickup trucks didn't really have that. So when they came out with, the, they they fixed that. They did their best on the new version. They they did like a, a kind of a refresh on Denali. Like you couldn't even get adaptive cruise control. In the yeah, Sierra that's, Denali. That's is, not right. No. Right? Like that doesn't. But to me, uh, Denali used to have like, uh, used to have a killer app and that was um, MagnaRide. Yeah, that, that was, that, that, would be the thing. that was available uh, on a lot of the Denali trucks. The other thing too, though, that kind of hurt Denali was every other pickup truck company coming out with their own luxury models. Like Ford yeah. has the Platinum, Ram has the, I don't even know what it's called. Is it like the Limited, I think is the, the top tier now? And I don't know. Laramie? Limited? No, Longhorn? It's, it's limited. Well, I think you can actually combine all three of those. Laramie, Longhorn, <laughs> Limited. Triple L. That's what they call it. I, uh, I I struggle sometimes with I always think that there's like an additional there's like a there's like a luxury trim and then an extra luxury trim. The secret trim? Then, like the real yeah. number for 911? Yeah. 
So, so it is. I think it might be Bighorn nine one two. No limited Bighorn. No, the Bighorn. The Bighorn is Longhorn. That stuff is, let's stop talking about that. But we can talk about how Toyota tried to do the same thing and kind of failed. They had like the 1794 edition of the Tundra. Yeah. Uh, but the reason the Denali is interesting, sorry, the Canyon is interesting, like getting back to the vehicle I actually drove, mm-hmm. is there's no luxurious midsize truck out there. Like there's just no one's tried to do it. And how dare you discredit the Rivian that way? <laughs> I, the Rivian being an is EV and at a price point that is conservatively like $25,000 more than this truck is yeah. not in this conversation. I know. I'm but kidding. none of the midsize trucks have tried it until now. It's a little surprising to me that GMC's waited this long to kind of downsize Denali. So I was really curious to find out how good the new platform is for the pickup, first of all, and then how well taking the Denali concept and then shrinking it onto that platform works out. Okay, I think that's a great uh, mission statement to have. What do you think about the concept of a mid-sized um, a luxury truck? Because, you know, I think the, the mid-sized segment has always been sort of like this budget-oriented segment, I would say. Um, and they've slowly been climbing. Uh, I mean, obviously, they've slowly been climbing in terms of price. Everything has been. But um, they're not the same cheap cars that I remember the Ranger and the old Taco and the old, um, what was it called before? Frontier. The, yeah, Frontier. Those used to be really affordable, really accessible. I don't think they really thought about luxury tr- appointments in any way or form. And they got the job done. That was pretty much the the, the goal. Now you've inv- you've invested into picking a luxury version of these vehicles, and I don't know if there's a lot of interest in that. But as long as they, you know, they execute this idea, then they've got a chance, right? Well, the thing is, car companies are going to sell luxury wherever they exactly. can. Exactly. You know, like that's they want to up the 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 transaction the transaction price anywhere they can, anyhow they can. Exactly. So that's what you're seeing here. And as I said before, I'm surprised it took this long. But GMC Canyon is already more expensive as a midsize truck than a lot of its competitors because, uh, you know, GM already has another midsize truck from the Chevrolet, the the Colorado, right? The Colorado, yeah. And they need to differentiate those trucks. They they can't just sell side by side uh, and have the slight styling differences. So the, the, the GMC trucks, they all start at a higher price point than the Colorado. And they come with more gear. And this year, they they also come with better drivetrains and a different look. So uh, if you look at the lineups, they're in, in, for the Colorado, every vehicle comes with this 2.7 liter turbocharged four-cylinder now. You don't get a V6 or a choice between a four-cylinder and a V6. That's the only engine. And you get, I think, two or three different tunes. For GMC, it's the same engine, but it's only the one tune, and that's the top tune. 310 horsepower and I think 405 pound-feet of torque. So already there's a pretty big difference that's going to be making up some of that price difference. And like Mm -hmm. the cheapest GMC Canyon you can get is the elevation trim. And that's like 38 grand. Wow. So it's it's already a fair bit of money. The Denali that I drove starts at 52,500 and it it adds four wheel drive uh, as standard. So that's part of that price. But that's a fair jump. That's like a $14,000 difference between base and... um, the, the luxury model. And in fact, it's not the most expensive version of the Canyon. You can get an AT4X, which is also for, uh, there's AT4, which is kind of like their, their off-road package. And then AT4X is their hardcore off-road package. And that's like $57,000. I'm looking at this AT4X. It's a good looking truck. 
Yeah. So you see, when you're looking at the truck, and I know this podcasting is not a visual medium, another really big difference between the Canyon and the Colorado is it has a wider track. So you have these big flared fenders on all models, and okay. then it, it's also a little bit taller. And that applies across the board. Like the base model is, I think, um, taller than or very close to the hardcore off-road Colorado, and they're they're wider by every every trim level. So crazy. Okay. It kind of like has significant. A significant difference? It's like a couple inches. And for, tra- for track, that, that makes a difference. Yeah. When you're looking at this truck in the real world, it kind of has like a like a Baja pre-runner kind of look to it. Uh, that's because the Denali, in addition to being, you know, the luxury truck, it only comes in one, in one body style. You can only get the five foot box. Uh, all the other, I think all the other canyons, you can choose between five foot and six foot. So this, or a little, a little over six foot, I guess. You have this like really tiny, almost useless box, and then you have a four-door cab. So it, it adds that shrunken down kind of off-roady pre-runner look, even though it's not an off-road special. Interesting. Um, talk to me about this motor. You said that there's only one engine, but several tunes of this engine, I think, throughout the GM lineup, right? Yeah, but only GMC only gets the one tune. Which is a 310 horsepower motor. Yes, and that- this is the same engine that you can find in the full-size trucks, too. It should be the same engine you can find in the Cadillac CT4. I wouldn't know. I, I, think, but that's, I think so. I do know that like in a longitudinal rear-wheel drive platform, you would look at Silverado or Sierra sure. for the version of this. Uh, it's got a 10-speed automatic transmission because everything does these days from GMC. And what's weird about this motor is I oh sorry it's 430 pound feet of torque I misspoke that's so okay. that that just proves my point that I'm about to make though at no point when I was driving it did it feel like it had more than 400 pound feet of torque like it's not tuned whatsoever for acceleration or or high performance I'm assuming okay. it's all for towing and hauling which is kind of funny given it has the tiny bed but yeah. what I was shocked to find out how powerful this engine actually was because it feels very normal in regular driving even when I'm passing on the highway and I totally floor it it doesn't jump ahead or anything like it accelerates and it's fine, but that's a lot of power and it does not translate. So is that a luxury tuning thing or what do you think is going it's on? It's not a luxury tuning thing. It's all the trucks have this tune, every Canyon. So no, but in terms of you not feeling any sort of go ahead there, I don't think so. I mean, it's, it would be the same in the base motor. I think it's just tuned for like when I built my Jeep, I put in a more aggressive camshaft, but the camshaft, puts all the torque down low so I could tow with it. And we all know how well that went. Yeah, uh, not well. But uh, I'm assuming it's similar in terms of how the boost comes on with this particular vehicle. I do want to say there's a lot about this four-cylinder engine that makes you think you're driving a diesel. Like, it does have that kind of acceleration profile, and it makes a lot of weird sounds. It it has, okay. like, it has like turbo whistle and other turbo sounds that aren't whistle, but are, you know, clearly something is spinning under the hood. And it's rough at idle. With with your when you're just sitting at a light, my model had like 500 miles on it, still brand new, not broken in. But I was okay. surprised by the pedal shake that I felt from the engine, and I did some reading to see if other reviewers had had a similar experience, and the answer seems to be yes. That just seems to be how this engine is in this application. So what you're telling me are a couple of uh, characteristics that do not seem or sound particularly luxurious. Well. The or engine noise is or worthy of fifty grand. The engine noise is neither here nor there. That's just how things sound these days. But I do agree that the pedal shake is not something I would associate with a luxury model. I was very surprised by that. 
Okay, so continue continue on with me though. Like, it looks to me, it honestly, it looks pretty good for a, a small pickup truck. Um, I imagine this is great for people who actually don't want to do a lot of uh, um, towing or or hauling or work with their truck because you don't want to damage this beautiful looking truck. Um, and you know, a four cylinder should get you better fuel economy. I don't know if that's particularly true, but tell me if the interior lives up to the Denali name. It does and it doesn't at the same time. And that's one of the more disappointing aspects of it. Uh, there's nice materials on a lot of the, the places you would be looking at. Like, okay, I guess door panels and the dashboard has some nice leather and it has leather seats. I am seats constantly and... staring at door panels while yeah, driving. Yeah, I know. It's, one of it's my... dangerous and we wish you would stop. The but stare come on, drive. They put, the, they put all of that effort there it's just like too fast too furious except you don't have a passenger (laughs) you're just staring at the passenger seat yeah Uh, the the the, it had heated and cooled seats it has a heated steering wheel it's got a pretty nice gauge cluster and a a reasonably large infotainment display but like a a digital gauge cluster yeah yeah oh nice but then you kind of you look down and like the bottom of the dashboard where like there's some controls down there for various things and there's like hard plastic that's kind of not properly attached. Like it's, you know, pointed up or like maybe it's been pulled out or something. And this is a brand new truck. I'm one of the, I think one of the first few people to drive it. Just stuff that really looks like it belongs in a lower edition version. And there's no real killer features about it. Like it has a head up display. I don't think you can get that in other versions of the Canyon. And I appreciate that feature, but it's a lot of money, you know, for a truck that when you look at it compared to something like the Yukon Denali, which does mm-hmm. feel quite different than the regular. Remember, uh, you know, I was talking about how the Sierra didn't look that like they had kind of the failed version of the Denali that wasn't that luxurious. When they went mm-hmm. back to the drawing board, they made it so that the dashboard was like completely different for the Denali versus the regular Sierra. If you're yeah. inside a a Canyon, it's not the same thing. You're, you're looking at the same. Yeah, you're looking at a very similar instrument panel, and it's it's nicer nicer materials in some places, just not across the board. The other thing that's kind of weird about the Canyon is almost everything is is you have to go through the infotainment screen to do it. So like headlight controls, um, a bunch of headlight other, controls, trip computer. I remember I was on the phone with you when I yeah. picked it up, and I was trying to figure out how to reset the trip computer, and that can only be done through the infotainment center, even though it's on display in the gauge cluster, and that's really confusing. Like if you're showing me something on the gauge cluster and I can't interact with it, that's not great user interface. I agree, but uh, it's one of these like weird traits that continue on. Uh, I think it's a trend or maybe a fad in the automotive industry where they believe that high-end equals um, user interface. Um, and they believe that having more screens is actually what people trans- people connect the dots to high-tech and rather than actually being useful and Yeah, it's, un- uh, it's unfortunate as engaging. a philosophy. Uh, also unfortunate, there's no magnetic ride control for this truck. Oh, man, they're missing they're missing a bunch of really important marks here. I would have loved that. I think it would have been cool. Uh, the Denali- was the ride difficult? Was it like it's not difficult, or anything? but it's a truck. It's definitely a truck. If you <laughs> if you hit like moguls or like undulations in the road, mm-hmm. it's not exactly crash bang, but it reminds you it's a stiff truck. Okay. So okay. I drove it quite a bit. I went on a road trip in it and it was comfortable, but yeah, it's, it's truck like at all times. So I think that the addition of magnetic ride control would mitigate that somewhat. Yeah. Uh, that that's, that's something that I think is, is seriously missing. The other thing that's missing is the, the cargo bed is not useful. It's really not useful. And it's too bad that Denali owners or buyers are restricted to the five foot box. I hauled some stuff in it, but what I hauled was, so 
I, I, I found a way to, to kind of get around the, the, the problem with the box. Instead of thinking horizontally, I decided to think vertically. Okay. There's a, there's a tree in front of my house uh, that bends down into the street to the point where it's starting to scrape on people's cars when they park in front of my house. Mm. And it's created this canopy of darkness and, and foreboding in front of our stairwell. So I, I took a stepladder and I put it in the box of the Denali and I climbed (laughs) up and I trimmed the tree. And since I was parked right under the tree, the branches just fell like right into the box. So I didn't really have to clean them up or I only had to do a little bit of cleanup. Yeah, it it was, it was honestly, uh, it it was satisfying. (laughs) And then, but the thing is like, not all those branches would fit in the box because it's so short. I had to actually cut up some of the branches to put them, fit them in this cargo area of a pickup truck yeah. so i could take them to the dump right but to me that's what this is this is what the this is like the go-to for this truck i feel like that's personally what it's made for which is like really small kind of project like half-assed can, dangerous ladder decisions <laughs> yeah that you can um modify or it's the the job is flexible enough to fit the the limitation of the of the truck's bed. So I posted a picture of myself or, or of this activity on Instagram and I received two comments. The first was from, or one was from a friend of mine who works for GM and he's like, I'm not sure I can condone this type, this use case for this vehicle. And then the second one was from GMC Trucks itself that said, yeah, I get the job done. <laughs> so uh, they, I know like legally they probably aren't happy that I'm, I'm using an unsecured ladder in the bed of a, of a truck that I technically don't own. But... Uh, uh, on the other hand, it, it shows how versatile owning a pickup truck can be. Okay, then you've talked to me about the ride. You've talked about about the motor. Does it have adaptive cruise control? We've talked yes. about, uh, okay, great. What about this 10-speed? It was largely unnoticeable. Hey, which is that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's better <laughs> than it is in some of the other vehicles. <laughs> I, I, and then overall, like, fuel efficiency, because we've got this smaller engine. We've got this 10-speed transmission that seems like, uh, like together, they're, they're combined to give you more of a, of a muted throttle response. Let me translate than... it. It was 10.48 liters per 100 kilometers. And let me translate that into miles per gallon. That sounds kind of reasonable. What is that, 20? It's it's nineteen. So 19. I got I got nineteen overall. Um, and a I actually huge, don't think that's that great. A huge Is that com- okay? A huge component of that was highway. So yeah, I mean, not great is I think the way to <laughs> the way that's to say like average at best. I mean, I don't even know if it's it's less than my Jeep gets on the highway. <laughs> and Which that, is a V eight. That thing is yeah, it's a V eight that weighs a lot more and has the fuel. The, I've said it before on the on the show, but um, it has the aerodynamics of a boot. Let's go to fuel, fueleconomy.gov. I'm going to check out the official number for the truck. And see I think there's, it. it's 21. I was looking at it just a second ago. Combined? Um, no, it was saying... Oh, no, I messed everything up. Oh, why did you have to do that? So I'm uh, 17 it now. to 21. 17 to 21. That's not great, I don't think. Yeah. I want 20s. Uh, so I, I actually did a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 19 miles per gallon is dead on com, is the combined number. So I, I matched the ad, advertised figure. But yeah, I think you're right. If you're buying a smaller truck, I'm pretty sure there's like a version of the F-150 that gets better fuel mileage. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always the issue, right? The F-150 can dominate across segments in the pickup truck market, right? Well, I mean like any full-size Maybe truck. Maybe not dominate. Like, okay, yeah. so I'm looking right now and there are th- – there's – Three different versions of the F-150 that get 25, 23, 22, 21. Oh, there's a whole bunch. Those are probably expensive. 
No, these are base models. And then I what? get... Yeah. So if you want to get 19 miles per gallon in an F-150, you have to get the 5-liter V8. <laughs> That's a base model, isn't it? No, the base model is the uh, 3.5 V6, uh, I think. No, sorry. The uh, oh, okay. 2.7 liter uh, turbo, I think, is the base now. And there's like a 3.3 liter V6... That's like naturally aspirated and it's a flex fuel engine, but I'm not sure if you can actually buy that. I think that might be yeah, fleet only. Fleet only. Yeah. I mean, we're not, I, we are not a, we're not a Ford like podcast. We don't really talk about Fords all that often, do we? I, but I to me, <laughs> I think F-150, the, the, the strength in, and weakness of the F-150 is, is that it can fit so many different people's um, budgets in terms of fuel economy and overall price, it can fit so many different people's expectation of a truck in terms of capability and interior space and luxury and technology. And then it has all of these different um, powertrains that can suit so many needs as well. You've got this Denali, this this Canyon Denali that has one bed size, one engine, um, and an interior that seems not all the way at the luxury scale. Yeah, and also so, I want to point out that the Silverado with the same engine and four-wheel drive gets exactly the same fuel mileage. Yeah, so it's just the drivetrain is it seems limited. I mean, the Silverado is much bigger. Yeah. So that's that's strange to me. Uh but in general, I mean, if you look beyond I like the truck. I think that the new platform is good. Okay. I don't think I would buy the Denali. I don't think that there's a reason to spend that extra money. I would stick with like the AT4 if that's what you're into. Would you not cross to the Chevy lineup? No, because I, I mean, I haven't driven the new Colorado yet, so I can't mm-hmm. say. Uh, the It doesn't have the same look as the the GMC. And I really did enjoy how it looked. I thought it looked great. So, And then t- the Taco. The, I mean, obviously the, the Tacoma is the... I haven't driven the new one, so I can't say. Okay. Well, I mean, the Tacoma is like the segment leader in terms of mid-sized trucks. But like, if you were to compare the previous generation Canyon to the Tacoma, yeah. I think the GMC was a much better truck. Like, okay, just in terms of overall day-to-day livability, I have always found the Tacoma to be what's the word? Just kind of rough around the edges. Yeah, rough around the edges. Basic, yep. not not a lot extra going on. Uh, That's what a mid-sized truck was to me. You know what I mean? But the like pricing, it was a staple. The pricing is high. Like yes. it's not like the Tacoma is not giving you a discount. You know, like, they've got it, a Toyota. They've got that Toyota tax on. Yeah, lock, if anything, right? it's the other way around, right? So, um, but, okay, then spending some time in a in a in a mid-sized truck. Do you ever think about the other options in this segment um, that aren't quite body on frame? Are you trying to work in some ridgeline discussion here? I not ridgeline. About this. Not ridgeline. Although I was thinking that the popularity of the Maverick has really skyrocketed. But not the same class of truck whatsoever. Not, no, of course not. But I mean, I think a lot of people look at that and said, that's what I want for a small truck. And then there's this actually, you know, body on frame truck over here um, with the Canyon that is loaded with technology and, and just the same, right? Well, I think that – I don't think they're the same buyer at all because I think that – I mean, for one thing, the Canyon's a lot more expensive. Yeah. It starts out like I think – Twice the price. Yeah. So even the most expensive Maverick I think is not as affordable is, – is less expensive than the cheapest Canyon. Okay. Uh, the other thing too is the towing capability is – dramatically different I think. oh yes that's right it's like huge yeah uh, and uh, seven seventy seven hundred on the on the canyon and the and i think it's four thousand max on the maverick yeah um and the other thing too though about this conversation is you can't get a maverick 
Like, oh. good luck buying one. You know, it's one of the hardest vehicles to buy. So I don't know what kind of cross shopping is out there. I, I don't know if you can realistically, I don't know if you can realistically go in right now cold off the street and buy a Maverick. I think everyone okay. has had to either have ordered it within the last six months. And I think their production for this year might be just completely sold out. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, but um, in terms of like yeah. other trucks, I mean, we're still waiting to drive the new Ranger. I haven't yep. driven the new Tacoma. I'm assuming they're going to be better inside than the old ones were. And uh, it's entirely possible that they've caught up to GMC in that respect. Okay. Well, we're, we're eager. This is, this is always an interesting, I don't know. I find this to be, it's not a sliver. It's not a small market because there's a lot of Tacomas on sale every year. Yeah. They sell but... like a quarter million of those trucks. Something right, like, like isn't that. that a lot? That to me, that's a lot. I don't know what your expectation is for a lot. To me, that's a lot. Um, and um, I just think it's interesting to see the just the spectrum of vehicles available for in this class and how they how they hit the target buyer. I don't know if people. To me personally, I don't know if a small pickup buyer is a luxury a luxury truck buyer. But um, I guess there's got to be someone out there, right? Yeah. Well, we'll find out, right? Sure. Now you were speaking of luxury truck buyers. You were driving something that weighs more than a truck, and yeah. it's from the luxury segment, but isn't a truck at all. Yeah. So <clears throat> I drove the new Rolls Royce Spectre, which is the brand's first um, electric vehicle and their first kind of benchmark for electrification as they as they plan to go fully electric or electrify their entire portfolio by 2030, which all is right. just. Uh, Seven years away. So all of the eco-conscious James Bondian supervillains in our audience listen closely to this segment. Yeah, I think they, you know, eventually you get uh, eco-conscious to the point of to, to the point of getting becoming a villain. Is that what you're suggesting? No, not at all. Okay, um, it is an interesting demographic to talk about electrification here, um, and to me, having spent so much time um, testing out different. EVs, including very expensive ones, ones that I would just deem expensive, the way Rolls-Royce has done their electric vehicle seems um, very different, with different focuses entirely. So when I say that, let's talk about some of the high-end electric vehicles that we have driven. We've driven the Taycan. You've driven an Audi uh, e-tron GT, I believe. RS. RS, GTRS. I think we've driven EQS. Um, and some other vehicles uh, around that price point, which are over can can get over a hundred and even closer to two hundred. I know Taycans can be about two hundred grand in some cases. These emphasize a couple of a couple of key features: long range and instant um, performance, instant torque. They might even boast uh, zero to sixty times of under three seconds. So you're saying that these are all like more than just kind of traditional luxury they're more focused on performance and kind of wowing you in that way i think they're trying to justify themselves as electric vehicles by taking advantage of the technology in a different way than rolls royce is, is saying okay. which is the 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 emphasis on rolls royce is to be quiet comfortable um just super smooth and so what they're going to say is, I think they have a, an EPA-rated range of 260 miles, which isn't a ton. Um, I actually think they they can get 300 because the cars that we all tested said that they were doing that, like they were getting about 300 miles of range. Uh, again, not a lot because there are EVs out there that are getting, I think, 500 or something like that. Especially like, when like a start, Lucid Air, right? Especially when you're talking about the Lucids, which are very expensive as well. And it does 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds. These aren't mind-blowing numbers, right? No. 
what's the point of this? Why? Well, it turns out, obviously, you got to start thinking like a, a Rolls-Royce owner who obviously has... I'm, I, I, I got to stop other... you right there, Sammy. I think yeah. like a Rolls-Royce owner every single day of my life. Oh, right. Sorry. Thank you mistake. very much. You do have about half the garage size of a, a like, garage number uh, as a Rolls-Royce owner. They they probably have about 10 cars. Yeah, but I and bet all 10 of those go... are functional, like, all the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, they If they want to go fast, they can probably um, pick out any number of exotics that they own in their garage. If they want to go far, I'm sure they have a vehicle that can do that trip in style and comfort as well. Um, or, heck, a whole other form of transportation, like a helicopter or something. So... That means Rolls-Royce can emphasize what makes their vehicle interesting um, beyond the electrification aspect. And, of course, we've talked about Rolls-Royce vehicles. They're really well loaded. They they really do hit um, exactly what they're supposed to be going for. You're not looking for agile handling or um, really impressive performance. You're looking for something that coddles you, that surprises you, that has whimsy or charm. Um, and can be customized to the point of it being practically one of one. And I was really impressed by this this vehicle. It is it's crazy good. It's super quiet. It is full of performance. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the changes they made as they went into you know to electrify the Rolls Royce uh, are interesting. So would you say that? About, so just sorry yep. to interrupt, but would you say that the electric Rolls is almost identical to the gas-powered rolls in terms of experience, or are they aiming for a different experience specifically? Yeah, I think it's almost identical. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of things first. So let's talk about the, the powertrain. Um, under the hood, this is powered by two electric motors. Combined make, um, I, have the num- I have the numbers this time. I'm ready for it, okay? All right, I don't believe 500, you. <laughs> 584 horsepower. I can't confirm this is accurate. You could just be pulling this out of the air. <laughs> 584 horsepower and 664 pound-feet of torque. That comes from a one, a, a, an electric motor that is just over 100 kilowatt hours. Um, so they didn't go too big because I think there's even some cars that are gonna that are going higher than 100 for their battery sizes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is it the Hummer or something like that? The pickups I think, are pretty big. I think isn't yeah. the Lightning like 131 or something like that? Yeah. So we're talking. We're we actually have you know they scaled back a little bit. Um, it does weigh 6,300 pounds, almost 6,400 pounds, which is a lot for a for a vehicle, obviously. Um, and it's huge; like it's simply massive. This thing profile, the the side profile of the thing will extend past an, an Escalade. So, just to put that in, in perspective, and it's a two door. So those doors, believe it or not, are the largest doors they've ever put on a on a two-door Rolls-Royce. They're five feet long. How am I supposed to feel about that information? I don't know. Like, Isn't that interesting? I, I, I don't know. Is it? It's like, I hey, we built we built some very big doors. And I'm like, how big are they? And they're like, well, they're bigger than any doors we've built before. And I'm like, thanks for the context, I guess. <laughs> five feet long doors. That's how long the door is in okay. particular. I mean, um, I'm intimidated, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to react. I mean, it, it is so big that you have to get they're motorized. But right? Keep telling me how big they're. I can't get enough. Uh, I think that's the most interesting thing, right? Of course, I've always said this: vehicles with power doors, minivans, and Rolls Royces. Um, it's true. You have to... Is it? Sorry, go on. Yeah, go ahead. What I was going to say: Are the doors bigger than the hood? Are they bigger than the hood? Is there a hood? Is there a trunk? Is there a frunk? 
There is no frunk, okay? I asked them about this because the hood, you're right, is so long that if there was a frunk, you would end up, you wouldn't be able to reach it, apparently. And you'd probably end up scratching the front of the of the vehicle. Um, the the grill is the whitest grill they've ever had on a on a on a Rolls Royce vehicle. I wait wait was I, caught off by by that. Is there anything else on this vehicle that is larger, wider, taller, bigger, heavier yes. than anything they've ever done before? I need a yes. full breakdown. Okay, the hood. Uh, sorry, the grill is wider. The okay. doors are longer. Yes. The uh, that there's a piece. There's a panel that runs from the A pillar all the way to the to the trunk. That's oh, yeah, the longest. Piece. That's the longest panel they've ever made on, on oh, a yeah. vehicle as well. That's what I need. <laughs> Keep going. Twenty-three inch wheels. Which oh. are the biggest. They've put on um, on a coupe. Of course, there's only been on a so coupe. Few Wait, coupe. so this, oh, yeah. yeah, are the Cullen Cullinans Cullinans wheels considered bigger? coupe? Yeah, I think they might be. Okay. Well, I'm a little disappointed with. Or that. Or they've got twenty-three inches on those too. Okay. Um, I was just impressed. I mean, the proportions of this vehicle sound insane, but when you see it in person, I think they all come together fairly uh, cohesively. It does look good. It looks better, I think, than it does in pictures when it does look pretty striking in pictures as well. Um, Of course, on on these media events, they they don't just have, you know, like white or black Rolls-Royce Spectres. They have um, emphasized these these two-tone models They've they've got different uh, pinstriping on them. They've got gorgeous interiors. Everything about these things just screams like like special. Like you're you're not you're the only one to experience it like this, and it's very interesting. Um, performance wise, though, the car does drive pretty well. It 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 doesn't rocket off the line, but 4.4 seconds to get to highway speeds is pretty good. Um, it's supposed to be quiet. This caught me off guard. It's supposed to be quiet, but they've introduced a new feature they've called it rolls royce rolls royce sound which is not special sounding in any way or form right no this kind of bugs me a little bit you wanted like a more fancy name apparently when they go to you wanted the biggest name they've ever had in rolls royce history like this (laughs) this name has more consonants than any name we've ever come up with. i think it should for sure and it's not fair because um i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before that rolls royce owners have their own social media website yes it's called whispers whispers (laughs) and that's too bad because if they could they could name the they should have named the sound rolls royce sound it should have been called the whisper right yeah i mean you know honestly whispers sounds like some kind of like wb era teen dramedy soap opera tv show really i thought it was more like an ashley madison kind of thing yeah that too i mean which i guess that's more on brand with rolls royce but (laughs) so my 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 understanding is that they have despite the obvious benefits of electrification being that they're really quiet um they they had customers who said i want some noise in the car. I mean, I've had so many car company people that I've spoken to about sound design and electric vehicles say exactly the same thing. That like that the customers are saying it? Yes, that they made yes. I remember I talked to the person I did an interview with the gentleman at Cadillac and General Motors in general, where who's responsible for sound deadening inside the vehicle, sound design overall. Yep. And yep. they had made some versions, I believe it was the Cadillac what's it what's it called? The the uh the Plastic? new one. I'm sorry? Celestic lyric. Yeah, the Celestic. Though it, it, I think it was the lyric because the Celestic's not available yet, and they tested it out with a focus group or a group of previous Cadillac owners, and they complained that it was too quiet. 
Crazy. They didn't have any feedback between what they were doing with the accelerator and the brake and what the vehicle was actually doing. They wanted that audio feedback. So that's when they started developing sound profiles. So that's apparently something that we've conditioned ourselves to be used to when we're driving. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I think Rolls Royces are known to be quiet. I don't think it should have this noise. And not only about that, but the noise is not special to me. It just sounds like a like a hum, like a like a really bland hum, which bothers me because I know. Can you turn it off? Yes, you can. Okay. Easily. Um, which bothers me because. How do I describe this? Um, Rolls Royce is a brand under the BMW portfolio. BMW has gone to great lengths to put emotion into their ve- into their electric vehicles, both Mini and BMW, um, and even employed Hans Zimmer, the uh, the 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 star of the silver screen and beyond, to make an emotion an emotional connection through the sound of the electric vehicle to the customer. Okay. And apparently that he didn't make a stop at the Rolls Royce and uh, Goodwood to be like, maybe I should help them out with their electric noise too. It just goes, mm, and that's it. I honestly, it, you should turn this feature off. It's not, it's not worth it. Um, the other adjustable feature in the vehicle is regenerative braking. This is only notable because um, Rolls Royce typically says they don't have adjustable features in their vehicles like that sound and like this um, regenerative braking. There's basically a little B on the on the um, gear selector. You press that and it gives you essentially a one pedal driving experience. You still need to do, I think, a full stop, but it gets it very, very close to um, a stop. It's interesting because this is a company that's so about the bespoke experience, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, the interior, again, I want to talk a little bit about um, trends in the industry. I think in, especially when you go to the electric vehicle field, when they're loaded, when they're loaded up uh, to six-digit figures, um, think, think about the Mercedes EQS, for example, which has, I think, a, fi- a 50 inch uh, of sc- 50 inches of screen estate in, in, on the dash, which actually doesn't look good, right? No. It looks cheesy. Rolls-Royce does not have 50 inches of screen estate. It doesn't even have that much at all. Its screen is essentially the size of a of a normal uh, iDrive screen. It sits there on top of the, uh, in the in the dash, not on top of the dash. Um, it's controlled by a knob or touch screen, and you still have all those old school physical buttons that you can press and adjust, and it's. Those feel great. They it's feel almost like so good. It's almost like good design is timeless. <laughs> yes, I think that's exactly it. Um, and additionally, not only that, but the materials that they use on the dash in the cabin are unbelievable. They they even encourage you to feel the metal. Um, feel the metal. The vent, it's not an actual Rolls Royce slogan of the vents. They actually want you to flick them so that it makes that kind of ping noise. Hello, um, Poughkeepsie. Are you ready to feel the metal? Is it like that? Ding. Yeah. So the they <laughs> did change the digital gauge cluster. They added a digital gauge cluster. So I think before you used to have these um, knobs, including one that said, uh, I think, power reserve. Um, now there's a digital gauge cluster, which actually gets customized based on your vehicles, uh, either your vehicles interior or exterior. So certain parts of the – it's a very minimalist look. I love it. It's really good looking. Uh, it's not overloaded with information, but the dial, for example, or the filler of the dial can be customized to the exterior paint finish or the interior paint finish. But you can't turn uh, the sound I, off. 
You, huh? you can turn the sound you off. You can't turn the sound off. Sorry. So I really appreciate that because, come on, you'd love that in any other vehicle with a digital gauge cluster, right? Like to, to make it feel like it all fits together. Yeah, I mean. It's cool. Yeah. I'm happy with that. The cabin is, is the usual Rolls-Royce stuff, super comfy seats, really, um, really high-end um, attention to detail. They used to do this thing called, or they still do this thing called a Starlight roof liner where they basically have um at night you, the there's a bajillion leds in the in the um headliner that look like um you're looking at the stars you can customize this apparently but you can't turn the sound off you can't turn the sound you can turn the sound off you can you said you i can. couldn't you no, said you I couldn't can. change it you can you can turn it off you can't change it okay sorry i can't believe i wasn't clear about that i thought i said yes um Sorry, so you can you can customize that Starscape for whatever reason if you want it to be the day, um, like a very important day. Maybe it was the day you got married. The or day the Captain day Kirk made... was born. Sure. I don't know how you'd know for sure. You'd have to really get somebody to check on whether or not the stars are exactly in that situation, that, that arrangement. But um, for the Spectre, Rolls-Royce has also applied the, the, that roof, that Starscape to the doors. So driving this thing at night, it just feels like you're surrounded by doors. You're basically in a spaceship, which I imagine is the owner's next purchase, right? Yeah, like it's, it, it's like leading you up to that um, that Virgin Galactic purchase that you're about to make. Exactly. Um, the car starts, if you can imagine, starts a starting price for a Rolls Royce at four hundred twenty thousand dollars. There's uh, another twenty seven hundred dollars worth of destination fees and of course you're probably going to spend over 100 grand on, on customizing it once you once you outfit this but to me the overall experience reminded me of what an electric what a luxury car is supposed to be it's supposed to make you feel super special um and i think when all of these other electric vehicles are making the same um claims to fame about zero to 60 times they can push you back in your in your seat when all of them do the same thing, it's no longer special. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No, I do know what you mean. I, I, and I agree. I mean, again, we're talking about a vehicle that maybe 0.1% no <laughs> of the population will ever experience. So, yeah, yeah it had better be special. It, 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 I think they really hit the mark on this. It really impressed me. Obviously, um, I was really skeptical that it would just be basically a BMW i7 with two doors. It isn't that. Um, it really, really just all of the details combined to make some really cool car. Okay. Well, anything else that you want to talk about with the Spectre? Nothing with the Spectre, but I think we should talk about um, some of the messages we received from our listeners about our uh, what they'd want as a safari vehicle. We got a note from, uh, is it Garrett? Yeah. Who said Garrett. that he wants an, yeah. Go on. He wants an Opal GT Safari. And that's an interesting suggestion because that's like pretty much on the same chronological time scale as the Datsun Safari cars that race at Dakar. So uh, it yeah. would be interesting to see, like... so that the, Somebody the, pull it off? Yeah, the Opal I think they is, definitely can. I mean, it, it's weird to think about it, but the Opal is a lot smaller than the Datsun. It's very, very small. So Smaller than the Datsun? Yes, definitely. Wow. I've driven both of them. A good friend and a uh, friend of the show, friend friend in life, uh, Elana Cher, has a Opel GT that she's been kind enough to let me drive. And it is a tiny, tiny car. Uh, it is also a car that is not built in a way that I would describe as robust. I, it doesn't have a full frame from what I understand. So I'm not sure. I mean, the Datsuns are 
don't have a full frame either. So you'd have to do a lot of reinforcement, I think, to get that to the point where you could beat it on it in a, in a dune filled environment. But also I'd be curious, you'd have to do an engine swap too. Cause you can't really turn big tires with the tiny engine that's in there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you need something a little more robust, I think. Okay. I think I would love these. And I especially like, love the idea of mid engine Safari vehicles. They, they just make me laugh. Well, this I, isn't meta. It's not a mid engine car. Oh, it's not a mid engine. No, oh, it's no. a engine car. Yeah. I've got the wrong car then. What, you, my, what were you thinking of? I can't remember. Opel GT is the tiny Maybe little... Maybe I was thinking of the Cadet or something. 70s, I thought it was mid-engine. It 70s mid-engine era with the... It's, it's like it a baby... It is front-engine, rear-wheel drive. So what am I thinking It looks of? like a baby Corvette, basically. Very cool. All right. Well, I embarrassed myself. That's okay. Everybody. I mean, that's fine. It's the end of the podcast, so it's okay. It's okay. I hope, I hope people will forgive me. I mean, they'll forgive some of what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel, Sammy. I saw that. On a t-shirt. I know. <laughs> I know. And you you threaten to send me that t-shirt all the time. I know. I've got it right here. Right what here. else do you want to see in a Safari? What about like a like a normal, just the, the most normal car you can think of safari fight, Like a Civic or a Corolla. I don't know, man. I don't want to show up at a racing event and there's a bunch of normal cars that have been safariied. I want to see oh, Isn't that what Subaru did and Mitsubishi did with the Lancer and... Uh, I want to see and... something weird that's been safariied. Like something like a, like an Aztec that's been... Like a Pontiac Aztec that's been safariied. That would suit the brand, man. Like, I, I think or like a, got to be one. Or like a uh, Lumina minivan that's been safariied. Like stuff that just isn't appropriate, but is still pretty awesome. A Mazda MPV that's been safariied. Something like oh, that. Oh, no. That's I really I mean. wish I didn't Google that. What? Pontiac Aztec Safari. <laughs> what did you, you discover? No, this doesn't look right at all. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to send us images that don't look right at all, the easiest way to do that is probably on social media. Uh, you can find Sammy at Sammy underscore Holic. You're laughing on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Hunting Benjamin. If you want to contact us the old-fashioned way, I don't think you can send us images, but you can reach us through the unnamedautomotivepodcast.com contact form. Once you do that, it ends up in our inbox after you click submit. Uh, And you can... Oh, Sammy just sent me a picture of that Aztec. It looks a lot like... I saw a cheap Cherokee, like a modern Cherokee that had been lifted and had like aggressive tires on it today. And it looks surprisingly like this Aztec. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's another old-fashioned way you can get in touch with us, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com for the email. Uh, Sammy, what else can people do at our website? They can see all of our previous episodes, um, as well as photos and links to the stories that we published about them. And... um, there's also a way to subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss anything that happens next on our on our long running podcast. Now there's over 300 um, episodes to listen to, even more if you consider our bonus apps. Um, so take a take a look at all of them, listen to all of them. We don't, I don't think we gatekeep them, do we? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Um, additionally, thanks for listening. Yeah, I think that's all I got to say. Sammy, what are you driving next week? I've got some trucks because I'm moving, so I've got a Tundra and a Ridgeline. Okay. They're not comparable. Will opposites attract? (laughs) We'll we'll find out. I'm going to be talking about the the new refresh on the BMW 3 Series, the M340i, and also about an experience I recently had with a Brazilian Dodge Charger. Ooh, I've heard a a little bit about this. You're going to want to listen to that. Um, So check back in with us next week. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.